Hi, welcome to episode nine of the Life in Bomb City podcast brought to you by the Social and Behavioral Sciences Department at Amarillo College. I'm Aaron Favor. And I'm Dr. Beth Rodriguez. This podcast is produced in the Panhandle PBS and FM 90 studios on the Washington Street campus. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, podcast apps, and podcatchers. Today, Beth and I are with Sean Lakey. Sean just turned 20 years old, and he has a unique talent. Sean makes filters on Snapchat and Instagram and other social media. You know, when you're taking a picture and the option pops up for you to use a lens to capture the moment with or to bring in the new year or to alter the lighting in the room, that's the handiwork of Sean. On Snapchat, Sean has racked up 1.534 billion views with his lenses, 506.73 million plays, and 40.64 million shares. On Instagram, Sean has over 372 million impressions, 15.89 million captures, and 2.17 million shares. We brought Sean on today to talk about social media, his dramatic unspoken influence on social media, and hear about some stories that only a unique talent like Sean's could bring about. Welcome to our show, Sean. Uh, It's great to be here. Start with, can you tell some of our listeners who may not know what the difference is between an impression, a capture, and a share, some of these different metrics? Sure. So um, an impression is anytime somebody sees the filter. So if someone's playing with the filter on their phone, they take a picture of it, that count as an impression. Or if they uh, post it on their story, um, any person who looks at their story and sees them using that filter, that would also add to the impressions. So a capture is anytime someone takes a picture with the lens not necessarily sharing it to the public, but they just took a picture of it. They maybe saved it to their camera roll. And then a, let's see, it captures impressions and shares. A share is anytime someone shares it with their friend or to their story at some point. Okay, so my question for you is, how did you even start in doing this? Um, So I was doing a marketing competition at my, uh, my senior year in high school. And it was for a theatrical marketing or something like that. And our goal was to market two different plays at the same time. And around this time, Reddit had picked up on user-created Snapchat experiences. And so every, everyone was using all these custom-made Snapchat filters that were made by just regular people and not anyone at, like, Snapchat headquarters. And I thought, well, that, that's pretty cool. I wonder if I could do something like that to help market this play. And so I looked into it, found Snapchat Lens Studio, started playing around with it, and then I made a uh, lens that recreated the poster in uh, Snapchat. So anyone who took a picture, it would look like they were inside the poster of this play that I had to market. And so I got to move on to the state-level competition, and then at that point, uh, all of our posters were hung up on the wall and stuff. And I got to watch people walk up to my poster and just organically interact with this poster. So they took a picture of the Snapchat code, activated the filter and then took a picture with it. And I was like, oh, that's super cool. It was super organic. I got to watch people interact with my poster in a way that they weren't able to interact with anyone else's poster. And so after that, I could see all the metrics and stuff. So it was like 500 people have seen this uh, filter that you, you created. And I was like, oh, that's super cool. And so after that, I just kind of fell in love with it and just kept on making stuff and kind of followed the numbers and was like, oh, this is pretty fun. And then, um, I had one filter called Golden Hour just kind of blow up. So I made it, and it was like, you got a 1,000 views on your first day. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. And now it's like somewhere over like 900 million views. Gosh, that is so neat. 
Like that is, I mean, really how it happened is it was school oriented. First of all, I want all the kids to understand that. But um, from that, you found a passion that was really that people were involved in and loving. And I just wanted, I was very proud of myself and my son's not because I've been snapping stuff to him, but I now have a Snapchat account and um, I've been looking at all these filters and it's unbelievable. And I truthfully do not really understand any of it. Yeah, so uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, Snapchat has a has a story. It's been around for uh, almost a decade. Is that uh, fair to say? I think it, I'm reading here that it was launched on July eighth, twenty eleven. Um, yeah, no, that sounds about right. I remember. I think I remember hearing about Snapchat around whenever I was like fourteen or so, and I think so. I guess that makes sense. Okay, uh, and some of the some of the different uh, demographics that we were talking about just prior to uh, going and, and beginning recording. Somewhere around 75 to 78% of individuals from the ages of 18 to 24 prefer Snapchat over Facebook or Instagram or any of the other different social media platforms. Uh, why is that? You know, I, I think um, one thing that uh, kind of makes it better, or not, not necessarily better, but differentiates it, is the fact that Snapchat, and this is something they've tried to kind of make clear, they, I don't think they really want to be known as a social media platform. Because at the end of the day, it's not really a social media platform because like most social medias are used to document something on Facebook is like 10 years ago, you posted this picture of like your, your child or something like that, or Instagram starting to do the same thing. It's more about documenting your life. It's kind of become the social media has kind of become the scrapbook of the modern age. And so Snapchat's more of a messaging app and they kind of, they've decided to, uh, to try branding themselves as a camera app. Because whenever you open up Snapchat, the first thing it opens up to is the camera. So it's kind of like the quickest way to take a photo and capture and share a moment. So it's more of a messaging app. And I think the fact that it um, it focuses on messaging instead of just a, so, a pure social platform is one of the reasons why it's so popular. Because it the way the app is structured itself kind of encourages sharing with your friends or encourages this... Uh, like activity or this um, like uh, like a social behavior, I guess, where uh, they can just kind of share it with their friends, and then it's like, oh, look at this! I'm I'm ta- I'm looking at this dog right now, and it's like, oh, look at this! I'm looking at a burrito right now, and you can just <laughs> talk back and forth, and it kind of creates communication between people. Okay, so I mean, like when I first heard about Snapchat, I was they said the pictures you take them and then they just disappear. And of course, me and my old frame of mind is if I take a picture, it's because I want it to stay there for the whole time. So obviously the pictures disappear. Why do you, why do you think people are drawn to that? And so that it's not there anymore? I I don't know. I guess there's something, um, I guess there's something nice about the ephemeralness of it all. And so it's like, it, it's here one moment is gone. And it's just like, it's very candid. I I, I kind of, uh, the way I I kind it to is kind of like, if I, if I hear about a fight going on at school, I'm not going to go to Instagram to look for videos of this fight. I'm not going to go to Facebook to look for videos of this fight. I'm going to go to Snapchat because that's where the most candid moments are happening in people's lives. That makes a lot of sense. It's here and it's gone. And that's exactly. the way life really is, truthfully. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a lot of, uh, I think we could probably say, maturity to the statement of the ephemeral. And so... Uh, it's 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 intriguing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna look at some of these statistics here again. 
Uh, we have 190 million active daily users on Snapchat, which is uh, a phenomenal number. You've t can you discuss and kind of communicate with us how you came into visiting with um, the company itself and kind of bring us forward to where you are now with the company? So I was uh, just creating a lens. So I made that golden hour filter and it started getting a lot of traction. Then I made another filter called Polaroid. And what it did is it just kind of recreated your phone and any picture you took kind of looked like it was developed on a Polaroid picture. And so those started doing getting really good numbers. And then I got an email from this um, from a member of the Snapchat team. Her name's Caitlin. And she was like, hey, I'm a part of the uh, official lens creator program. I'm the leader at, or the director of like uh, creator relations at Snapchat. Uh, we love all the filters you've been making. We're wondering if you'd be interested in joining this uh this little program we got going on. I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And so I joined it, and it's just a whole bunch of other people that enjoyed creating experiences like me off of Snapchat. And then Snapchat themselves, they don't, we're not like working directly with them on a lot of things, but we'll be able to get like beta features. We'll uh, get uh, sometime once a year, they'll fly us out to LA so we can kind of as a thank you. And it's like, we'll get a, like a shirt or something. I'm wearing a shirt that they gave me right now. Um, they just kind of help us out a lot. So if we have issues with the filter, like, hey, there's this filter I want to make. I'm not sure how to do it. We can reach out to the customer support and kind of get a dr more direct line than the average creator will get. So do you get paid? Um, we get paid on a like per project basis. So oh. one time if they reach out to us and like, hey, we have this project coming up, we would love to have an official lens creator on the uh, staff, then we get paid for that, but we don't get paid just to make random lenses for fun. Okay. So that you're just doing it for fun. And I think that's kind of neat that you're still doing work that people are enjoying and it's because you like to do it. So just getting paid is like a cherry on top. Yes. So um, like an example of this would be, I had to go to, or they reached out to me and they said, hey, we have this event coming up for All-Star Weekend in North Carolina. Uh, we would love to have you um, and two other lens creators come along with us and help us run this little program. So I was like, okay, cool. And they said, and on top of this, we can pay you a, a decent amount of money just to come out here and visit. And I was like, oh, wow, this is this is really nice. This is pretty cool. And so they flew us out to North Carolina. They set us up at this little uh, booth at the Nike, or it was at the Mint Museum in Charlotte, North Carolina. And Nike was hosting this event and we had to uh, make, or we're essentially just teaching people how to make Snapchat lenses with all these Nike all-star weekend assets. So it'd have like uh, players quotes in there and it was, or it'd have like a Nike basketball or it would have um, a whole bunch of their little patterns that they had been using all throughout their branding. And you were making these Nike branded lenses and we we're just kind of helping people that came through make their own little Snapchat experience. I think that is so neat. It's such a different um, way of looking at things. Because I know that um, I'm. this is, I'm just going to sound really bad, but my generation, we would be like, I'm working, I should get paid for this. But at the same time, you're getting to be part of all of these experiences and you don't even feel like it's working. Like this is something you like to do. Yeah, well, I mean, with the Nike one, we did get paid. We got $7,000 to go for the weekend. And so that one we, we were getting paid for. And then... Um, I, I've got friends that if a uh, brand will reach out to Snapchat 
And they're like, uh, hey, we have this brand coming out, but we're also overloaded with a whole lot of projects. We're going to pass this on to a few of our official lens creators, and they'll get paid for that. Yeah. That's so neat. So something that strikes me about the the idea of a filter is that people are looking to um, change the reality of whatever it is that they're they're doing, right? I mean, whatever it is they're trying to capture with a, with a camera. What is it that's appealing about a filter in your mind? I mean, I guess it's just kind of fun. I mean, it, it it's really organic the way people react to it, which I think is interesting. So there's this really nice organic way people are reacting to augmented reality. And so with, and I think Snapchat's a major reason why people are reacting so organically with this uh, new medium. Because like if you... If you're looking at your phone, oh, you got a little, you got a dog face on your face. You got a little dog nose, some dog ears. And if you open up your mouth, a tongue comes out. And it's like, oh, okay. So, and you automatically, that's a human thing to do. Opening your mouth is a human thing to do. And to be able to just do anything like a regular person would do and then have it uh, trigger some sort of animation or something like that, I think that's just, it just adds this whole new level of fun to this communication and just everyday photo taking. Uh, Aaron and I were talking about uh, how a lot of people say the millennials and you guys, I don't even know if you're a millennial, I think. I'm pretty close, but uh, I don't know. I feel like I could, I'm like in between. I'm, I'm we're, we're that generation in between. We've got yeah. a little window there. If you were born between like 1977 and 1983, you can consider yourself either a part of the prior generation or the, or the current generation. I don't really pay much attention to this. I remember remember when uh, former Mayor Harpole was on here? Yes. He said, we need to do something about generationally. We, it's yeah, true. We I, really do. I, that really hit me. That hit home with me. And I thought, you know, I'm going to stop thinking about myself in terms of in terms of age. because well, And it, of course you can't because it depends on what you're doing. But I know that a lot of people say that all these filters really play into the idea of being very um, egocentric and vain. And the truth is, as I love what you just said, is it's not about being vain. It's about, it's fun. It's a lot of fun, and it is. I've had a lot of fun with it. Let's say, I mean, if anyone thinks they look like they genuinely look better with a dog nose and dog ears on, then they have some <laughs> mental issues that they need to work out through. And I'm True. not, I, I'm not sure if it's necessarily egocentric because I mean, like, it, it's just, it's kind of cute, it's kind of fun, but no one's looking at someone with a dog face and going, "Oh wow, that's hot." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Right. I mean, a second ago, uh, Beth and I were, were just in here right before you came in here and we were kind of experimenting with some of the different filters. And one of them has a guy like, you know, playing a guitar. He's a little, little short guy. He's at my feet, you know, uh, that filter. Uh, that's a fun, I mean, little things like that, like you said, augmented reality, this is the future, uh, in, in a lot of ways of the way that we're going to be connecting and engaging with the world. Uh, some of the, I mean, the, our devices, certainly, uh, we saw Pokemon go a couple of years ago, really take off, uh, did a lot of, uh, there were a lot of questions about distracted driving and people, whether or not they were like walking into, into, you know, trash cans and, and poles and stuff like that. And it raised a lot of questions, uh, about, you know, not only where our society was headed, but it also raised lots of questions about where technology was headed. I think that augmented reality is one of the coolest things, technological innovations to hit uh, hit technology um, in um, in our society probably in the last, I don't know, 30 years, probably because it allows us to uh, project something that is not there and interact with it and allows us also to uh, communicate that with each other. So uh, can you talk a little bit about what your perspective is on augmented reality and the future of it? 
Yeah, so I, I definitely think augmented reality is the future, and maybe more so than virtual reality, because that's kind of there's there's two different fields right now. There's augmented reality, which is applying effects or applying a 3D object into the real world through your phone or through some other medium. I guess the the Microsoft Hololens is coming out soon, so we might be able to have glasses that project 3D objects onto our real world at some point in the near future. But I guess. Um, as opposed to virtual reality, which just com- is a complete reconstruction of the uh, real world that you can look around in. I think augmented reality m- will have a uh, more longer lasting effect on our society than I th- guess virtual reality will. So, um, and I guess one of the reasons why I think that is, um, uh, I guess the uh, people are more drawn to augmentations of their own reality as it is. So with plastic surgery, it's more common for someone to go get a boob job than for them to go get six additional boobs attached to them <laughs> and become some weird cat person, I guess. And that's because, and I, I think it's similar to that with augmented reality. So augmented reality is just an enhanced version of reality, whereas virtual reality is a complete destruction of the actual reality and a rebuilding a whole new world. And I think that feels a bit more foreign to people Whereas augmented reality, we saw with Pokemon Go, people were able to organically react with augmented reality. They're like, oh, there's a Pokemon in my, right in front of me. I can throw a Pokeball using my, my finger. I can twist it. And that, that motion just came supernatural to people. The game blew up and everyone was playing it for the whole summer. Mm-hmm. Whereas you don't see a lot of people going to like video game cafes or something to play virtual reality. It's, it hasn't caught on as big yet. And mostly that could be due to like a, a cost like a cost factor as well. It's much more expensive to experience virtual reality, but also I think it's uh, just more native to the human experience to engage with augmented reality as opposed to virtual reality. Right, because augmented reality, you're still in your own reality, but it's just there's something added that's fun or different or so or it, help, it makes or, sense. Or helps us out in some way in some way or another. Like uh, I was in an art museum, I believe in Santa Fe, they had, a, they had an AR uh, app that you could download and... It would tell you if, I mean, it would tell you what you were near. And as you were walking through, as long as you kept your camera up, um, it would point you in the direction of a specific piece that you, you if you started liking a certain type of style of painting, it would point you in that direction of of a similar style of painting that you might be drawn to. Uh, So in consideration of those types of things it's kind of not only good for marketing and experiencing things maybe in a more um, non-experimental way is that a good way of putting that Sean Um, I I guess yeah and if you're talking uh, in uh, reference I guess to virtual reality I I would say it's a little less experimental than um, or just adding something into it I guess it is a little less experimental It, it feels more organic I guess it would be the proper way to phrase that Right. It's more reality for augmented reality than it is virtual reality. Yeah. So what happens what happens when I mean, we're kind of seeing we've seen some of this with uh, this growing number of, of individuals that want to experience and, and capture these little, like you said, uh, moments of 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 reality, even if when they're filtered or whatever that is the case may be, it's what you do, right? You create that experience for them. You give them the opportunity to experience that, and it is fun. There's so much. Uh, there's so many different lenses to experiment with. I remember I was on Instagram, and one of my favorite ones on Instagram is the Viking one. It's probably one of the most used ones, but 
you're you're kind of going, uh, that is not very appealing to me maybe. But for some reason or another, I love the huge beard. <laughs> I like the fact that I could say something and, and it looks like I'm, I just got off of a huge ship and maybe <laughs> doing something silly. So I mean, it's silly. Good question for you. What is your favorite filter? Not the one you made yet, because I'm going to ask that next, but what is your favorite filter of all time? Oh, wow. Um, my favorite filter of all time. I guess the uh, the one that like really got me into it, like like that I noticed, and I was like, oh, this is super cool. This I wonder how I can make something like that. My friend, or my friend now, I guess, but at the time I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. He was one of the earliest adopters of it. Uh, Snapchat. This guy named uh, Jai. He lives in Australia, and he's like a genius with technology and stuff. But he made a filter that just made you disappear. So you took a picture of the wall or something, and then if you kept your camera still and you got into the picture, you could start a video recording and then tap on yourself, and you just vanished. And I was like, "That's super cool. How how can I get in on this?" And then. Just start a look. That's what got me into mm-hmm. Lens Studio, I think, is this guy in Australia just decided to make an experience, and then it got shared to the whole world, and here I am in Amarillo, and I'm like, oh, what, what, what's this? I, I want to I wanna try this out. And now he's your friend. I think that's even, that's so neat. Okay, so what's the favorite filter that you have made? Um, let's see. So I guess my favorite one right now that I've made is I made a lens for this group called Brockhampton. And I really enjoyed their music. I was like, oh, I really like this music. And they have a, uh, the cool thing about this group is everyone that's a part of their, like, creative process. So anyone that does, like, Photoshop for their album art or creates posters for their merchandise, they're a part of the group as well. They treat them as an extended part of the group, not just, like, the singers and the rappers and stuff. But everyone on the creative team is a part of Brockhampton. And so I was like, oh, that's a super cool idea. So I'm going to. I'm going to create a lens. So I made a lens where uh, if you scan their album art, like some hands in a golden airplane flew down and it, the hands caught this airplane, which was like a part of their stage design at the time. And so I made that and I sent it over to their uh, creative director just through an Instagram DM. I said, hey, man, I just made this. Well, I was seeing what you thought about it. That was pretty cool. And he was like, dude, this is crazy. How would you make this? I, mm-hmm. This is super cool. We got to get this a part of the album. And so they got me in contact with like their label and stuff. And then that's kind of snowballed into a bunch of other work for me. But I think that was my favorite one because I was like, I spent a lot of time working on the animations and stuff. And it works only if you scan like the album art. Like you have to have the album in front of you in order for this like experience to activate. That is so neat. (laughs) I'm going to pay you a huge compliment right now. I think Sean knows how the world works. And I mean that in the in the most sincere way that I possibly can say it. When you, when even even whenever I knew you, whenever uh, a couple in a couple of years back, right? Even then, you were thinking outside of the box about how to connect with people in ways that were unconventional for the rest of society. For you, that was perfectly natural. You were like, oh yeah, well, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to send, I'm going to create something for them that they think might be inter- interesting. They might be interested in. I'm going to offer something to them and then I'm going to connect with them and say, hey, are you interested in this? I like y'all's album or whatever the case may be. Uh, when we played Statecraft together, you were always thinking outside the box. I'm not going to go into all the details of that because don't want to offer up any uh, strategies for anybody uh, that... It might 
try to copycat any of the things that you were doing uh, to to de- to defeat your your adversaries in that in that uh, effort. But I think that at the age of twenty, to be able to say that you have the initiative, you have the drive, and you have the know how to navigate. I mean the some of these massive uh, companies of our time that are having incredible influence on countless numbers of people, individuals, family members, brothers, sisters, friends, they're communicating with each other. I just, I'm so glad to get to know, to, to know you, Sean, as a, as a human being, because I see you and I say to myself, this is a guy that knows how the world works. And you've done it from a very young age. It's not like you learn. It's not, that's not a skill that you learn in school. That's not a skill that you learn even can maybe possibly be passed down. It's just, that's who you are, you know? So I want to give you that compliment. First of all, well, I really appreciate that. that. That means a lot to me. You bet. And second, I want to ask you a question because you're kind of a contemplative guy. And I, um, I, it's something that I would think about. Certainly if I were you, do you ever think about, the, the indirect influence that you have on the millions, I could, I'm, I could even venture to say, given the statistics that we read off of the analytics that we read off at the beginning of this podcast, the indirect influence that you've had on millions, if not billions of people's lives. Um, yeah, I, I don't really think that deep on it. That, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if it's that deep. But, um, yeah, no, I guess there could be some weird butterfly effect where someone saw a picture with one of my filters on and made him think uh, about that person differently. I don't, I don't know about that, but I've never really thought about, like, having a massive influence on anybody, really, just due to the medium I've chosen to create my art through. So what is what are your next steps? Like, what were you're doing the filters, you're you know, making impact, you're meeting all these really cool people, you're having these amazing experiences. Um, is there something like an, a goal, your next goal that you really are looking at? Or are you just kind of flowing? I just want to make more stuff, I guess. I just want to keep on learning and find new mediums of how to make things. I guess like, I think it'd be cool to make like a cartoon or something someday and just have um, just a, a weird cartoon out there in the world. So maybe, maybe that's what's next. Who knows? So no company, huh? I mean, I guess I, I have a company. I, my Instagram is just Slaky Media, and I get a, a lot of work through that. So I guess that's technically a company. I've got to file for an LLC or something maybe. There you go. So maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'll file for an LLC this year. That's, that's the next goal. So Slaky Media is your, uh, is your tag on both Snapchat and on Instagram? Uh, Slaky Media is my tag on Instagram, and I think – if you want to find me on Snapchat, it's just Sean, S-H-A-U-N underscore Lakey, L-A-K-E-Y 15. I think that's what that is. Okay. Yeah. So if anybody is out there uh, wondering what uh, Sean's lenses look like, make sure that you go and uh, you follow him. Because if I remember right, as soon as you, as soon as someone becomes friends with you, uh, they immediately gain access to all your lenses. Is that accurate? Yes, so if uh, someone were to follow me on Instagram or something like that, then what they could do, as soon as they follow me, they could go to their stories, and whenever they click on the lens button, all of my lenses will appear with all the other Instagram-made lenses for them. Okay. Have you uh, run into any uh, stars, celebrities? Um, yeah, so at the Nike event, um, I was 
there was this like youth basketball team that came in and before that they were setting up uh there's this I'm, I'm not super into basketball but there's this guy named Giannis Antipoco that was going to come in and he was going to make a lens so they were preparing this spot for him like right right in front of me and they had all these lights and cameras and everything and it was all set up perfect for them so they're like all right Giannis is going to come everyone just kind of get out of his way we're going to take some cool pictures get a lot of cool photo ops for it and so this youth basketball team came in before him, and there was this little kid, and I was like, hey, man, you want to make a lens? He was like, uh, yeah, sure, what, what's, what's going on here? So I was like, uh, you can do whatever, dude. You could make a headband, you want to make some glasses, appear on your face, it's, it's whatever you want to do, man. So I'm helping this kid out. And then all of a sudden I hear this voice go, hey, guys, what's going on here? And I'm like, oh, wow, who is this behind me? I was thinking, is Giannis behind me? Because all the cameras, all the lights, everything that they had set up on this one spot just instantly did a full 180 and was facing me right there. It's like, ah, we're just making Snapchat lenses. We're just, <laughs> we're just making some stuff on here. He's like, all right, cool, cool, cool. And so every athlete that was signed with the uh, Nike initiative, the uh, own the game initiative at the time they had, was mm-hmm. uh, had a quote featured in the Snapchat lenses. So... Uh, like Kevin Durant had one, LeBron James had one, Giannis had one. And so they could put these quotes in these Snapchat filters. So every time you took a picture there, this athlete's quote was right there, inspiring millions or whatever. And so this kid was uh, going through all the quotes and stuff and heard the voice go, all right, man, go ahead, put your boy up there. And this kid scrolled past Giannis's name and clicked on Kevin Durant. I was like, man, this kid's a jerk. And then I turned around and sure enough, Kevin Durant was right there. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, cool. And so I was, this whole time I had some dude over to the side going, Sean, back up. Because uh, we were on these, like, stools with no backs. That's where we were sitting on. So I had no back support. And so they wanted me to back up so they could get better shots of Kevin, rightfully so, because I'm not the star of the show at that point in time. (laughs) Kevin Durant is. And so I'm leaning 45 degrees back in this stool, just trying to (laughs) reach out as far as I can on this desk. And help this kid make a Snapchat lens while staying out of Kevin Durant's way. <laughs> so we made these, uh, finished making this lens for him. Kevin dapped me up, which was probably the coolest moment of my life. And then uh, he started getting roasted by all these kids that were on this youth basketball team. They're like, oh, Kevin, what are, what are those? What are those shoes, man? What are, what are you going? <laughs> I, could, I could beat you in one-on-one, Kevin. I could beat you. And it's like <laughs> all these like four-foot-tall children telling <laughs> Six foot nine, Kevin Durant, that he could, they could beat him in one on one basketball. And Kevin just goes, Oh, yeah, man, you, you could beat me in one on one. Cause there's this one kid that was just being louder than everyone else. He's like, Yeah, man, I could beat you in one on one. Let's go right now, Kevin. I could beat you in one on one. Come on. Your shoes are trash, Kevin. What, 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 what are you doing, man? <coughs> and Kevin Durant reaches into nowhere, I guess. And out of nowhere just materializes this Xbox One X fully customized by Nike with all these decals on it and hands it to this small child that had been roasting him this whole time. And he just got tackled by all of his friends and he just dropped like a rock holding mm-hmm. this Xbox. He just let out this little uh-huh mm-hmm. and just walked away. And it was the most like magical thing I've ever seen in my whole yeah. life. That's so neat. And see, that's just a, an experience that not everybody can have. And you're so lucky and that you get to get all these experience and it's really, really neat. This is, I think it's just neat that you're here and you are who you are. And right. Well, you're creative and you've got initiative, right? And dang, I'm, I'm going to say it again. You know how the world works. You know, it just, uh, it's just not, it's not a skill that everybody has um, or is born with maybe. 
we often say that as you get older, you become more experienced and you have more knowledge. And the truth is, is I'm, I'm older than you. <laughs> and I, I 100% do not have more knowledge in you in this. Um, and I, that's one of the really, I think it's really neat. And I think it's something that needs to be highlighted is that um, each generation, we need to interact more so that we, I can understand more and, you know, see. A lot of times we talk about how, oh, you don't understand and you don't get it. And there's a lot of things that we don't, but just that communication is the only way that we can. And experiencing here and me talking with you and you talking to us and letting us know all this information, it seems like, you know, like, hey, you're not as young as you look. So can we talk a little bit about RCA? Oh, uh, yeah, of course. No, they're uh, super cool people. Uh, met them through HK, who works at, uh, who's Rockhampton's uh, creative director. He got me in contact with them. This guy named Carlos Quadros and uh, Tartaro Tony Ann. And they're super cool people over there. Uh, recently went to New York to go visit with them. But uh, no, they've given me a lot of cool projects. They've kind of entrusted me with a lot of pretty neat projects. Like, um, And they're owned by Sony, so I get offered a few projects that aren't necessarily RCA. But they uh, they hit, put me in contact with uh, Sony in Nashville. So I'm doing work with some country group called Lanco. And like yesterday, um, they just emailed me and they're like, hey, Alicia Keys has a new album coming out. Could you uh, make a filter for that real quick? I was like, yeah, no, I can do, I can do that. So working on something for Alicia Keys right now with them. Uh, Lanco, there's this uh, group that's coming out, this younger rap group called Laundry Day that's super cool. And I've been uh, working on a project with them. Uh, I've got to do some stuff with Pentatonics, uh, create like some stuff for their Christmas albums, stuff like that. Just um, cool, cool little stuff right there. Um, went down to their offices, visited with everybody, just kind of showed face, uh, had a great time talking with them. They're just super cool people down there. I, I really like uh, a lot of the artists they have on their label are just like make really good music. Right. I remember you used to be really into like uh, like rap. But not just not not like just regular rap. It was like rap with a cause, you know. Um, I think you wrote a paper one time that was uh, about mental health and rap, like the way rappers were uh, addressing mental health issues. And I forget some of the names of the uh, of the rappers that you mentioned. A couple of them have actually, I think, passed passed away from suicide since you wrote that paper, if I remember. Uh, yeah, no, I think I uh, referenced Mac Miller, who actually just released an album last night posthumously mm -hmm. through his label, which they usually those are done like super poorly and it's like a cash grab for the label. But this one felt really tasteful. Like they only put out one uh, post on Instagram or something and just said, hey, uh, Mac really wanted this album to get released. It was basically finished. He had been working with it really closely in conjunction with his last album because he wanted them to be like a brother sister album type thing. Uh, we feel like it's only right to get it put out there to the best of our ability. Uh, we know it won't be the same without him being here, but this is going to be the only post we make because we wanted to be as respectful as possible. And that came out last night, but he had died from an accidental overdose. And just hearing some of his music, it was like, I know this guy was really, really going through it, but I guess you don't, you never really imagine that until you have the context behind how they're really feeling. So there's a lot of, I kind of wanted to write that paper on mental health and hip hop because I feel like uh, hip hop just gets like in no pun intended, it gets this bad rep, 
about um, just like, oh, no, it's just about uh, strip clubs and drugs and stuff. And while there is that portion of hip hop for sure, it's also a lot deeper than that. And it just kind of encompasses like everything and like the human experience. Right. My experience uh, with with enjoying listening to rap has always been the fact that they don't sugarcoat anything. The I think that is uh, maybe no lens. It may be a good way of of using of, of saying saying that in the context of our conversation is they want to show people uh, what what life is like for them um, because in some in some obscure manner, the rest of us are out here like living our lives through these, through these uh, realities that may not, uh, may not declare uh, the, the state of emergency in a certain neighborhood or um, the, the realities of the dangers of, of what it takes to just walk home or like, you know, deal with problems and issues in a dark room. Uh, and so being able to have uh, an expression of that creatively through music and uh, do that uh, using rap, and of course, we have other examples of that, like in you know, like rock and roll, and in country. I'm sure there's country music. I don't listen to country music at all, but I'm sure there are examples of of country music artists that you know sing it, sing it like it is, um, finding their songs and singing them. You know, and I dig that a lot. Have you had any experiences with uh, with any rap uh, rap artists that have just kind of blown your mind a little bit, and in, in terms of just like storytelling? Um, yeah, no, my, one of my favorite rappers of all time is, uh, Lupe Fiasco and he creates like really cool concept albums. Um, so one of my favorite albums of all time was one of his, it was called the cool and it was just kind of talking about his life and it had like three different representations of the cool, like what, what is cool at the time. And I think the album came out some, somewhere around like 2008 or something like that. But it was like during that time in hip hop, it was just, it was kind of like the bling era of hip hop where it was like everything is flexing, everything's like, look at my diamonds, look at my drugs, look at my girls and stuff. But he was like, what's, what, what's actually cool in society right now? So he was like, yeah, gang violence, not cool, but that's kind of what seemed as deemed as cool in the society. So he would rap on that. He was like, growing up in the streets, not cool, but that is kind of what's deemed as cool in society. So he had like all these different allegory characters rapping. So he had the streets as a character. He had like uh, the cool itself as a character where it was like, Hey man, just do this, this, and this. It's all that. That's what'll make you cool. And it was like the cool itself was a character. The streets were a character. Um, and then, uh, the die was a character. So it was like death itself was personified on this album. And he wrapped through the perspective of like claiming other people's like lives and stuff as their own. And it was like, Oh no, that's cool. But it was like, but the way he was rapping, it was all very satirical. And he was like, yeah, no, not, not really cool. Yeah, and he's he's he makes a lot of like all of his uh, wordplay is just phenomenal. Lupe Fiasco's he has a he's got like a nine minute song called Mural, and I think it's got like over a thousand unique words or something, and or it's like over like five hundred or over a thousand like unique words in the album or in the song itself, which is like an incredible feat. And every line is like a double entendre played off of the last line in the song and stuff. Hmm. That's <laughs> Love that. I mean, really with music, we talk about music all the time because we do, we realize that music plays a huge part in everybody's lives. And um, so many people do hang on to music, especially when it comes to expressing yourself, because it's a lot easier to sing about it than it is to talk about it. 
it's, it, for some reason, people feel like if I can sing about it, then it not necessarily is true. So it kind of brings in that whole idea of augmented reality, because if you're singing it, you have a tone, you have a tune, you have um, a melody of some sort. So it still doesn't seem like it's full on reality. And sometimes it's a lot easier to sing about it than it is just to lay it out there and say, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a lot easier for people to grasp too, because like no one really wants to listen to someone say, hey, here are my problems. I'm really <laughs> suffering right now. This is what's going on. But if you like rhyme about it a little bit, like, hey, these are my problems. I'm mm-hmm. suffering right now. You're like, man, that's a vibe. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. But then it kind of, it's kind of this little uh, stairway to actually fully realizing the message of the song. Right. So it gets you hooked. And exactly. then you get to actually hear what they're really meaning by it. Exactly. Sure. Right. There's a there's a great line from uh, from Nick Hornby's High Fidelity. Have you ever seen that movie with John Cusack and uh, Jack Black? Yes, I have. Okay. I, I have yes. not. No. And you'd you'd love it. It's a great movie. But there's a question in there that uh, that it comes up at the very beginning and it's in the book as well. But like the, the movie says, um, what came first, the music or the misery people worry about kids playing with guns or watching violent videos that some sort of culture of violence will take them over. Nobody worries about kids listening to thousands, literally thousands of songs about heartbreak, rejection, pain, misery, and loss. Did I listen to pop music because I was miserable or was I miserable because I listened to pop music? No, that's that. That actually speaks quite a bit of, on on that because I was uh, my parents aren't a fan of me listening to a whole lot of rap music, and uh, but I was thinking I was like, wait, no, they they were just watching Breaking Bad. What what is the difference between <laughs> me me mm-hmm. listening to someone talk about a drug deal going down versus actually watching it in like play out in, on a on a TV screen or something? And so I guess there's just this there's a weird demonization of the medium. I think whenever it comes to like hip hop music that doesn't, it doesn't necessarily deserve it because you can turn on any TV channel and you could see like open heart surgery and there's just blood everywhere, even though it's in a different context, of course, but there's always going to be a true crime documentary or some sort of crime show where there's some victim getting just like their arm cut off or something like that, where it's there, there's violence everywhere. Mm -hmm. And there's this weird stigma that comes along with music, I guess. Well, yeah, with the NWA, Oh yeah, like definitely. It was oh, yeah. like it was the thing. Like oh, it's so bad. But I mean, really, what they were singing about was just what's going on in their life. And then, of course, they had to do the whole <laughs> the police song. Right. And when they did that, they didn't do it just because they wanted. It, but they did it because they were in response to what was going on at that time. And so I think that a lot of times we just assume, oh, they're the bad. It, this is the bad. And we do. We always, it's a stereotype. It's the um, the way that we work is we have to have a good and a bad. We can't just have a gray and everything's fine. Is it good or bad or up or down? And that's just, we have to have the, the yin and the yang. And Yeah, what's up with that? I mean, I think one of the things... One of the things about uh, Dr. Dre and uh, and I always just I, I always point him out. I've got a poster of him up in my office. I think when in terms of creativity, that guy's life, um, his life from from birth uh, up until present, has been something that I think um, people can learn from. I'm not saying necessarily imitate or mo- he's not like a role model. I think there was a there was a, a long there, uh, who was it that that had the the ad campaign that said I'm not a role model. Was it Nike? I'm not a role model, but 
Okay. Oh, no, that was Sprite. Sprite. Don't do it because I tell you to do it. Do it because it tastes good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Say, yeah. They said, I'm not a role model, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So, yeah, he may, you know, in in a lot of ways, he might not be a role model, but in terms of creativity and uh, just figuring out how to get things done, there's a story. Uh, there's a great documentary actually uh, called The Defiant Ones. It came out on HBO. It goes four episodes long. It's well worth the time, though. Uh, one of the earliest um, remembrances, and and I think this for me, this remind the reason I'm bringing it up is it reminds me of your the story of how you've come into uh, all these individuals that are that are key players in this industry. Man, uh, they can't. The one of the clubs that he was spinning at in the '80s. They could not figure out how in the world he got behind the the turntables. The the club owner said, if you waterboarded my I wouldn't be able to tell you how he got on stage. And I thought that was uh it was such an interesting, interesting spill about about the way that he finds success. He finds it directly, he you know, he just goes out and does it. You know, other people are kind of wondering, well, what's the process here? I'm going to read a book. I'm going to figure out how to do this. What are other people doing to be successful? And he's just like, well, I'm just going to go out and do it. That's, that's how you become successful. And that's just, it all plays back into how I, how I would explain you, because I mean, it does, it plays into how you are expressing yourself and the art. And instead of waiting for someone to say, Hey, Sean, why don't you try that? You were like, huh, that's pretty cool. I'm going to try it. And then I'm going to throw it out there and see, you know, who responds. And, and now from that, you've gotten so many opportunities. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it's kind of like um, I live my life. There's this Biggie Smalls quote. I'm not sure if this is verbatim, but he said, if you have a plan B, your plan A will fail every time. And I, I kind of thought about that a lot. I was like, yeah, I could see that happening. Because if you if you have a plan B, that means you've invested time into formulating this plan B. And you're like, well, if plan A doesn't work out, then you're I can always go to this, this and this. And while you're preparing your plan B, you're not you're never going to be able to put your full focus and energy into your plan A, and then your plan A is never going to work. That's so true. Yeah. So what's uh what's up in the uh in store? Speaking of plants in the future, Sean. Um, I guess just keep making stuff. I guess I'm right now. I'm uh, taking a bunch of online courses, trying to learn a bunch of different softwares at the moment. I'm um, trying to learn Premiere Pro so I can do some like movie animations or, or just uh, movie editing and stuff. I'm trying to learn Adobe After Effects, which is a uh, kind of like a animation software that you can uh, plug into and create a lot of cool little cartoons and stuff out of. And I'm still learning Maya, which is the 3D modeling program that I kind of operate out of. And there's always something new to learn in that program every every year and since I just started learning it about half a year ago, I still got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> so always learning in that, just trying to always stay learning something, I guess. Yeah, well, whatever, whatever you end up doing, I know it'll be substantive. I know that whatever, uh, whatever plan you have, I know there's lots of people asking you what's in the future. Um, I know that uh, given your, given your past, I mean, the last, if you were just to look even the last two or three years, uh, someone would look at that and say, wow, uh, I wish I could be doing what he's doing. So uh, with that, we want to say good luck with everything. Uh, maybe in a couple of years, uh, you'll come back and we'll be able to do another podcast and we'll uh, kind of get updated on uh, on what your life experiences and adventures have been like. Um, <clears throat> again, uh, if you want to follow Sean on Instagram, it's uh, Slakey Lakey. 
or Slaky Media, yeah. Slaky uh, Media, I'm yes. sorry, Slaky Lakey. Uh, that, uh, that's my uh, that's my uh, hidden account is Slaky Lake. Okay, so yeah. do I need to go ahead and do I need to edit that? No, I'm 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 joking. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Slaky Media, if you get that, you'll get access to all of his lenses that he's created. Um, and on Snapchat, it's uh, Sean S H A U N underscore Lakey L A K E Y. So uh, with a fifteen at the end of that. Fifteen at the end of it and uh and you'll get access to all of the lenses on snapchat as well right yes okay cool well listeners we have 17 more episodes to do this spring lined up for you covering everything from the impeachment trial to mental health to national and international security we have guests lined up from across the country we're even going to talk about sex education so that episode should be a popular one with the kids and with that thank you again uh, thank you so much again to our guests this morning And thank you for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. So long. Have a good one.